and off his box a box of chocolates would I know to stay away what's it and off his box a box of chocolates would I eat them anyway cause every time I have half a mind to leave you babe that means I It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. And Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture every Thursday evening at 6.30. And I'd like to dedicate the show to all the folks who hope to have power back on soon. Really hoping that if you're listening, you're out of power. I hope you get it back soon. After the crazy winds yesterday, more than a million homes and businesses out of power as of yesterday and as of about noon today it's it was something like six down to about eight hundred thousand homes and businesses in michigan without power so here's hoping it comes back as soon as possible and here's hoping you will have as minor problems soon as the following here is mark jewett a michigan singer and songwriter and this is broken favorite coffee mug blues Please 
don't break it Cause without my favorite coffee mug I don't know if I can make it Yeah, I've got the blues The broken favorite coffee mug blues Yeah, I've got the blues The broken favorite coffee mug blues I might have 11 others But that's the only one I use No, I don't want the blues The broken favorite coffee mug blues I don't want the blues The broken favorite coffee mug blues I might have 11 others But that's the only one I use I might have 11 others But that's the only one I use I might have 11 others But that's the only one The only one I use That's Mark Jewett and Broken Favorite Coffee Mug Blues. Mark Jewett out of Plymouth, Michigan, not so far from here in Ann Arbor, and from his album Tending the Fire, which came out very recently. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. You're hearing us on WCBN Ann Arbor, also WCBN.org, where you can see our full schedule and things and stuff. So turning food waste into tires... Does that sound good? It sounds better than turning tires into food. But this is from the Ohio State University website, written by Pam Frost-Gorder. This was uh, an article from this week. Tomorrow's tires could come from the farm as much as the factory. Researchers at Ohio State have discovered that food waste can partially replace the petroleum-based filler that's been used in manufacturing tires for more than a century. In tests, rubber made with the new fillers exceeds industrial standards for performance, which may ultimately open up new applications for rubber. As Katrina Cornish puts it, scholar and endowed chair of biomaterials at Ohio State, the technology has the potential to solve three problems. It makes the manufacture of rubber products more sustainable, reduces American dependence on foreign oil, and keeps waste out of landfill. Cornish has spent years cultivating new domestic rubber sources, including rubber-producing dandelion. Now she has a patent-pending method for turning eggshells and tomato peels into viable and locally sourced replacements for carbon black, which is a petroleum-based filler that American companies often purchase from overseas. About 30% of a typical automobile tire is carbon black. It's the reason tires are black. They look black. It makes the rubber durable, and its cost varies with petroleum products. Carbon black is getting harder to come by, Cornish said. She and her team are getting eggshells and other food waste from Ohio food producers. She says, we're not suggesting that we collect the eggshells from your breakfast. We're going right to the biggest source. According to the USDA, Americans consume nearly 100 billion eggs each year, at least half of those I consume myself. Half are cracked down, they're cracked open in commercial food factories, which pay to have the shells hauled to landfills by the ton. 
There, the mineral-packed shells don't break down. The second most popular vegetable in the U.S., the tomato, also provides a source of fiber, the researchers found. Americans eat 13 million tons of tomatoes each year, most of them canned or otherwise processed. And commercial tomatoes have been bred to grow thick, fibrous skins so they can survive being packed and transported long distances or being shot out of a cannon, which I just made up. When food companies want to make up a product such as tomato sauce, they peel and discard the skin, which isn't easily digestible. So all of these possible uses to turn eggshells, tomato peels, and such into tires, adding strength to sustainable rubber, that story from the website of the Ohio State University of Ohio. Now some food news relating to films. Coming up, Casablanca is going to be appearing at the Michigan Theater. What does it have to do with food? Well, here it gets more complicated before it gets simpler. Come celebrate the State Theater's 75th birthday. Not at the State Theater, but at Michigan Theater, says the website. While the state remains in hiatus to undergo renovations. March 18th marks the anniversary of the State Theater in Ann Arbor's opening in 1942. In honor of this momentous event, the Michigan Theater is screening the most iconic film from the same year, Casablanca. It's playing tomorrow at 7 p.m. and most importantly, free cupcakes will be available for the first 200 guests through the door. Free cupcakes. Free cupcakes. And another food item which also doesn't have anything to do with food but has a food reference. Coming up on Saturday at the Detroit Film Theater at the Detroit Institute of Arts at 9.30, it's Crumbs, part of the Afro-Futurist Cinema Series. This is from Spain and Ethiopia from 2015. Crumbs is set against the background of spectacular post-apocalyptic Ethiopian landscapes where the film finds a strange-looking scrap collector, Gagano, alternately gripped by daydreams and constant fears. The diminutive Gagano has had enough of collecting the priceless crumbs of decayed civilization, including the most valuable merchandise from Michael Jackson and Michael Jordan. When a spaceship that has been hovering high in the sky for years starts showing signs of activity, Gagano has to overcome his fears, as well as a witch, Santa Claus, and second-generation Nazis to discover things aren't quite the way he thought. That's Crumbs this Saturday at the Detroit Film Theater at 9.30 p.m. Two films about the waste of society. Actually, we had a theme there, the waste of society in this film and the waste of society being used to make tires at OSU. Well, it all makes me think about a song about Crumbs, which really isn't about food either. It's metaphorical, you know. Here is the wonderful, fantastic, and wonderful Laura Lee. This is Crumbs Off the Table. Can you dig it? Yeah. 
Just tell her, okay? She's Laura Lee. Do what she says, because she's awesome. Laura Lee and Crumbs Off the Table. She of other great songs like Wedlock is a Padlock. That's a killer song. And Women's Love Rights. You know it. Laura Lee. That's from 1972. It's quarter to seven, and this is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Also WCBN.org. Coming up at 7, Arwolf and Face the Music, another wonderful show coming up, no doubt. And then at 8, Shimmy Shimmy Cocoa Pop. Do not miss anything on WCBN ever if you can possibly avoid not doing that. Or is it doing that? Not sure how that goes. Anyway, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. Did I mention that? This is an interesting food tidbit. Apparently, an industry tracker says bottled water overtook soda as the number one drink in the U.S. by sales volume last year. Research and consulting firm Beverage Marketing Corps says Americans drank an average of 39.3 gallons of bottled water last year. The estimates don't include tap water, so we are awash in water, yes. Now, here's something you should know about a food magnate, not a food magnet or a refrigerator magnet, but a fishing magnate. Says here from the Associated Press out of New Bedford, Mass. Federal prosecutors say a Massachusetts fishing magnate known as the Codfather has agreed to plead guilty to federal charges of evading fishing quotas and smuggling money to Portugal. The U.S. Attorney's Office said yesterday that Carlos Rafael has a change of plea hearing scheduled for March 16th. Rafael is the owner of one of the nation's largest commercial fishing operations with more than 30 vessels in his fleet. 44 commercial fishing permits, and the Carlos Seafood business in New Bedford. Federal authorities say he falsely claimed his vessels caught haddock or pollock when they had actually caught other species subject to stricter quotes. He then sold the fish for cash, some of which was smuggled overseas. His lawyer did not return a call for comment. Do you take cash? Do you take fish? I got a fish credit card. It smells like fish. But in case you think fish is funny, which it is, but in case you think cod is funny, which it is, think about this. There is a book out there, perhaps you've heard of it, perhaps you haven't, I haven't read it yet, but I want to, called Cod, A Biography of the Fish That Changed the World by Mark Kurlansky. says here in the Random House website, Cod is the biography of a single species of fish, but it may as well be a world history with this humble fish as its recurring main character. Cod, it turns out, is the reason Europeans set sail across the Atlantic, and is the only reason they could. What did the Vikings eat in icy Greenland and on the five expeditions to America recorded in the Icelandic sagas? Cod, frozen and dried in the frosty air, then broken into pieces and eaten like hardtack. What was the staple of the medieval diet? Cod again, cod again, sold salted by the Basques, an enigmatic people with a mysterious unlimited supply of cod. A mysterious unlimited supply of cod. As we make our way through the centuries of cod history, we also find a delicious legacy of recipes and the tragic story of environmental failure of depleted fishing stocks where once their numbers were legendary. In this lovely, thoughtful history, Mark Kurlansky ponders the question, is the fish that changed the world forever changed by the world's folly? That's what Random House says about the book, Cod, A Biography of the Fish that Changed the World, released 
I believe in 1999. Now, this question posed to the Icelandic Review website in 2008 comes in it from a different angle. Somewhere, says the questioner, I read or heard that one of the Icelandic sagas mentions that children were given cod liver oil because otherwise they would grow up sickly. If so, it would be an early case of recognizing this oil as an important food supplement. So is it true that this is mentioned in some saga? Said Ted T. of Manhasset, Long Highland. Long Highland? Answer. After extensive research, neither the employees of the Arni Magnussen Institute for Islamic, sorry, Icelandic Studies, my brain is falling off, Icelandic Studies, nor their Danish partner were able to find a mention of the importance of cod liver oil in any Icelandic saga. The earliest examples seem to come from a collection of ancient letters and law texts. Then it says, click here to, to read more about cod liver oil. Okay, listeners, you need to do that. Click. You can read more about cod liver oil. Okay, you're doing that? Good. By the way, cod got its name on a, an entire cape, not just a cape of a superhero, but in fact, it was England's Bartholomew Gosnold who gave the Cape of Cod its name after the plentiful cod he found here, there, in 1602. Perhaps a mysterious unlimited supply of cod like the Basques had. Perhaps not. But yes, cod are mentioned in some Icelandic sagas, yet not cod liver oil. Well, that's a good crumb of information. How about some crumb in some sandwich? How about peanut butter? Peanuts? Bread and butter? Segway? Pardon the silence, I was too stunned by the thought of a relationship ending over bread and butter. So pardon me there. That was The New Beats and Bread and Butter. Would you believe that's the title of the song written by Larry Parks and Jay Turnbow, 
of the group The New Beats. It got all the way to number two on the Billboard charts, sold a million copies. According to, oh, by the way, I thought it was a woman singing when I was growing up, but it's actually a dude singing falsetto named Larry Henley. According to Wikipedia, the song was sampled in the Dickie Goodman novelty song Presidential Interview, Flying Saucer 64, and it was the inspiration for the advertising jingle of Schmidt Baking Company, used in the 70s and 80s. It went, I like bread and butter, I like toast and jam, I like Schmidt's Blue Ribbon and Bread, it's my favorite brand, no kidding. And Devo covered the tune in 1986, really, for the soundtrack to the film Nine and a Half Weeks. Oh, that bread and butter film scene with that, oh, it actually says here it wasn't actually used in the film. Never mind that, uh, but the American Henry Qualls, a Texas and country blues singer and guitarist, covered the song on Blues from Elmo, Texas, in 1994. Who can forget what we did not know in the first place? This is Pandora's Lunchbox. Here's some very important or otherwise news for you. How about a 3D printer that makes pizzas, actually prints pizzas? Doesn't that sound useful for an Ann Arbor cuisine sort of thing, maybe? Says here in TechCrunch.com, which I read every few hours, the phrase 3D printer typically brings to mind devices that churn out plastic objects like jewelry, toys, hardware, prototypes, or even prosthetics or prosthetic pizzas. Now, a startup building a 3D food printer called BHEX has raised $1 million in seed funding to launch its first product, a pizza printer called the Chef 3D. Initially, BHEX wanted to develop a printer that would be able to make a variety of foods for astronauts on long missions in outer space. But the company's co-founders have been adding their original concept printer technology for a commercial market that's ready on Earth today for people who can't speak. The printers use pneumatic systems rather than traditional addictive... Okay, we're giving up here. Rather than traditional additive manufacturing technologies to move ingredients around. Now I'm going to say this a lot more simply so I can actually complete a sentence. Thing make 3D pizza, $1 million, ugh. There. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike, and I can't talk anymore. It's so funny why I can't talk anymore. RFN Face the Music coming up in just a few minutes. Then Shimmy Shimmy Coco Bop at 8. Don't let the schmaltz get in your eyes. Stay warm if you can. Here is Mickey Katz to round things out with a round 45. Here it is, Mickey Katz. Don't let the schmaltz get in your eyes. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I've been Mike. Keep on doing it, and don't ever stop doing whatever it is that is. Schmaltz get in your eyes, don't let the locks get in your socks. It cheers, gossip, flinters, and eggs with salami, don't let the schmaltz get in your eyes. Oh, you look like a dream, you smear fit sour cream, and you know Tzatzkele, you're the one for me. Too many bagels, too many bagels, too many shell shells, too many shell shells. Just like a blimp, you're full of gas. If I'm gone too long, can your pipic starts to jump? When the stars come out, I'll bring a stomach bomb. Don't let the schmaltz get in your eyes. Don't let the soup get in your snoot. Soup in the snoot! 
It's rocking the boat, you're beginning to blow. You're riding on the derma road. You ask me for a cruise with kegel on your foot. You know, Tatskele and me, that don't look good. Since biblical times, man has witnessed and recorded strange manifestations in the sky and speculated on the possibilities of visitors from another world. Today, from the skies of California, the fields of Kansas, the rice paddies of the Orient, the air lanes of the world, come persistent reports of UFOs, unidentified flying objects which we have come to know as flying saucers. In Dayton, Ohio, the Air Intelligence Command gathers and sifts data from all quarters of the globe. Ninety-seven percent of the objects prove on investigation to be of natural origin, while three percent still are listed as unknown. The Air Force is aware of the widely held belief that some of these could be flying saucers from another planet. While there is nothing conclusive in the evidence, the probing and digesting of information about UFOs continues unceasingly. As a result, headquarters of the Hemispheric Defense Command in Colorado Springs issued an order. All military installations are to fire on sight at any flying objects not identifiable. But even as they did so, the military wondered whether their scientific know-how and their best weapons would be effective in any battle of the Earth versus... My goodness. How are you this evening? It's 7 o'clock. I'm our wolf, our wolf. And if you are actually able to listen, if you live in Ann Arbor and you actually have electricity, I'm very happy for you because a lot of us don't. Is that clear? Yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of people don't have electricity. Uh, no heat. It's very cold. Um, struggling to have enough light at night and so forth. So if you have a, a uh, the ability to listen to the radio using electricity or 
a computer. I'm very happy for you. This is Face the Music, and once again, we're um, subtitling the program Disorder at the Border in honor of the uh, occupant of the Oval Office. Disorder at the Border, one of uh, Coleman Hawkins' most enduring uh, jam vehicles. So at some point we'll be hearing actually a nice uh, six-and-a-half-minute version of Disorder at the Border. But first, I did want to acknowledge the fact that apparently... The paranoiac in chief has signaled to the uh, the world that he's very fond of tap, very fond of, of tapping. So I wanted to get some tap dancers in here. Uh, certainly the first half of the show, you'll notice people slamming their feet against the floor. Here's uh, Bill Bojangles Robinson with Duke Ellington and his Kentucky Club Orchestra. Doing the new lowdown. <laughs> 